Welcome, listeners. I'm here with Abbott George today, and I was wondering if you could tell us something about satsang and the effect of our associations, both positive and negative. It's often said in spiritual uh, writings that you have to be careful of all the senses and even of what you see. And part of that is that whenever you look at something with attention, a kind of etheric connection is made between you and that object. And it begins to uh, receive a flow of your vibration, and you, in return, get the uh, vibration of the object. So when we see it's been actually demonstrated that when people watch an action, there is an effect in them as if they themselves were doing the action they're observing. Okay. Um, and the same with visualization or imagination. For example, uh, the baseball teams usually go to Florida uh, and do their practicing there and so on when the season's over. And uh, they did an experiment one time, and they had some of the people and some of the teams not do the actual practice. I mean, that is literally not go up to bat, hit the ball, et cetera, et cetera, but rather to imagine it in their minds very vividly. And they found that the people who imagined it had the same effect as the people who actually did it. So this is this is important. Interesting. Um, uh, yes, uh, we have to be careful on these things. Now, of course, in India, you have the concept of what they call darshan, which is the blessing of just seeing a saint, and that's because when you see the the person, especially the saint, immediately subtle elements of their very own aura, indeed their consciousness, uh, begins coming to you. And that is why there have been people who led very wrong lives, indeed evil lives, who came into the presence of a great saint and just looked at them and everything changed around for them. Uh, one time, a man who was very big in organized crime uh, was wanting to travel and look at the Himalayas and ascends at their mountains and beautiful snow-covered peaks, peaks, et cetera, et cetera. But the people he was with had a curiosity about Swami Shivananda. So they uh, insisted that they all go to Shivananda Ashram and get a look at Shivananda. He didn't want to do it, but... He was with them. What else could you do? So he went along. So they went into Shivanandaji's little kind of house down by the Ganges. And he was just sitting there in a chair. And they came in. And the moment this man saw him, everything changed. And he confessed to him his evil life and completely changed. Uh, I've seen people, for example, uh, I've seen uh, one time I was standing on a stairway uh, a few steps uh, above Anandamoy Moth. Mm. 
and people were coming up the stairs and seeing Ma and just standing there. And I saw people come up the stairs looking all anxious or worried. And then when they stood there, as they looked at Ma, suddenly tears would just start coming down their face. And they were tears like of relief, of, of, of healing, you could almost say. Oh, interesting. And then in a moment, all that was lifted, all that anxiety or whatever it was that was troubling them, that was all gone. Uh, this was one of the problems of having uh, private talks with mother. Because when you would go to see her, of course, you had questions to ask. Things about your sadhana or other aspects of your spiritual life. and So the problem was that uh, you could have a list. You could have a dozen. You could have 20 questions, all of which were very serious and were important to you. And you'd walk in, you'd bow down to Ma, sit there, look at her, and you wouldn't have a question in the world. And um, it, it just, uh, it would just evaporate. So I found after a couple of times that I had to write my questions down because once I was sitting in front of Ma, I didn't care about anything, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was just there in this eternal kind of moment. It was it was a supernatural experience that can't even be um can't be described at all. I once saw on the internet oh some years ago someone asked uh what was it like being with Anandamoyma? And I thought, well, lots of luck with that question because nobody who really perceived much of, of Ma would even be able to begin to answer. There was a very interesting aspect to being with Anandamai Ma, and it took me years to even perceive it and be able to put it into words. What I'm going <laughs> to say may sound utterly contradictory, but... Um, I remember finally one time I was in the very, very holy uh, place called Naimishranya, the forest of Naimish, which is where uh, many of the great sages gathered in the past. And you read okay. about it frequently in the, the, the Indian scriptures. And uh, so anyway, I was there. And fortunately, I had done something to force myself to keep remembering this question I had because it was a matter of forgetting that kind of went profoundly. So I asked um, one of the people there who had been living close to uh, Mother Anandamai for 20 to 30 years. And I asked her, do you find that when you're with Ma, you experience something very, very subtle, and yet very remarkable. But the moment you walk away from Ma's presence and she's out of sight, you forget it. And then the next time you see Ma, you think, oh, that's right there. That, that's, what, that, hmm. that's that thing. I forgot. And, and by the way, I was asking this um, 
oh, 10, 10 or more years after having uh, been coming to meet mother. I mean, it took me that long wow. to finally hold it in mind. And so I asked this, and she said, absolutely. I've been experiencing this all, all this time. And she had uh, also been coming to mother, oh, more than 20 years. Actually, she lived in one of mother's ashrams. And she said, yes, it's true. I couldn't describe it. I can't define it. And yet each time I come into mother's presence, I remember it. So th th there is something incredible about the company we keep with people. Yogananda used to say, company is greater than willpower. And I've very much seen that. You have people, they have very good ideals and good standards, but they start mm. becoming friends with and having a lot of association with people whose lives are negative and self-destructive. And they sometimes tell themselves, oh, maybe I can help them out. Maybe I can talk to them sometime or this or that. And uh, I can be of help to them. But it never works because magnetism is magnetism. And they ultimately came down to the level of those people. And then I never saw them again because uh, they didn't want to talk to people like me. And uh, I, I fell into this delusion when I was in college. Uh, there were some people that I'm sorry to say had the habit of going to some kind of bar and so on, getting drunk, and some days having to be picked up and carried home. And so all of a sudden, we're driving down the street, and suddenly it gets announced we're going to go to this place. And I've never been in anything like that. I... I I was born into a family where alcohol was absolutely unknown. And I mean, through the whole family. It was a big family. And uh, uh, my family were very, very much opposed to alcohol in any form. So I'd never, you know, seen it even. But in I went with them thinking, well, maybe I'll keep them from getting drunk. <laughs> so I sat there and, oh, I tell you, Jonathan, it was so boring. You know something? Negativity and evil and foolishness are stupid and boring. And of course, there was some pseudo musical group making noise and somebody started singing and then they started singing together all these ridiculous songs <laughs> and I sat there thinking, oh, dear God, I'm not being overwhelmed <laughs> with negativity in this place. I'm being overwhelmed with boredom. But anyway, I only did this a couple of times or three maybe. And by the way, I did keep them from getting drunk and so on. And then I realized, you know, we all have free will and our free will determines everything about our life. And, you know, they're just going to have to either be their own guardian or mm. not. And I never went to such a place again, I'm very glad to say. So we have to realize that this is true. And I have seen it over and over again. Um, 
I've seen, I, I one time when actually, um, it was again at college, uh, we had uh, the, the Carnegie, uh, Carnegie Foundation had uh, provided the money for uh, what they call a music and art room. It was looked like kind of a big living room. And uh, there were hmm. shelves along one side that had what were thousands of dollars worth of books of art prints. And then on the other side, there was a tremendous amount of recordings of classical music and so on. And uh, so I used to go there because I'd listen usually to the music. And uh, one time there was this very, very nice young girl there, very, very innocent kind of person. She had, I think, the, the school year had just been going on one or two months. And she was a very shy girl. Uh, but in fact, we're hmm. sitting there and uh, she said, uh, do you mind if I talk to you? And wow. I said, well, no, of course not. I found that she hadn't had a conversation with anybody in the weeks that she had been there. And so we just talked kind of randomly about this and that. She explained uh, about, you know, kind of family background and so on. But it was, she was really very fine. And then at the end, I felt rather sad because she very effusively thanked me just we're talking to her, all right? Fine. Well, I hate to tell you this, but in just a matter of two or three or four months, when I saw her again, she was totally changed. Uh, there was this hardness in her face and just, in fact, she always looked like she was ready to uh, attack somebody in anger and uh, I mentioned her to someone I was walking with. I said, that girl has changed so much. Well, basically, the girl was sort of the campus bad girl. And I mean, as far as morality went, out of several thousand students, she was notorious for her utterly horrible, immoral, drunken, life. Mm. Now, that was because of the company she'd fallen into there at the college, and I'm sure her life was ruined uh, because I watched her through the next two or three years. Uh, I, I couldn't see any possibility of a reversal. So we have to be careful who we associate with, very much so. There are times when even good friends in our hearts, we have to say goodbye to them because they've chosen to go a downward way. You can't go it with them. And eventually, people who are negative like that, they resent the difference and they are determined to pull you along with them. And I've had that experience also. So uh, this is something to really pay attention to.